Welcome to the Mixtape, a podcast that delves into all things music. Join host Mia Esperanza as she takes you on a journey through the world of sound and rhythm, exploring the latest trends, classic favorites, and hidden gems in the music industry. From rock and roll to country and blues, from pop to classical, Mia will share her passion for music with you and give you a new appreciation for the art that moves us. So sit back, turn up the volume, let's get ready to rock. This is the Mixtape. Hi everyone, this is Mia Esperanza and welcome back to another episode of The Mixtape. And it's really cool to me because this isn't just any episode. This is the big number 10 and I don't think anyone thought we would get this far with it. Uh, What started as a fun little hobby has led me to meet some really cool individuals, talk to a lot of cool people, make a lot of new friends and go to some really cool places. And so I have personally been putting off episode number 10 because it is a milestone and I lost my voice nothing felt right I've recorded like two or three episodes that I was convinced was going to be number 10 so I thought who better to have on than a little bit of the inspiration behind the podcast the family musician you want to introduce yourself yes I am Duncan Crittenden again I'm Mia's little brother and I've been playing music ever since I was 12, and um, I'm super stoked to be on here with you, Mia. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you finally agreed to do it. I know we've talked about it for a while, but um, I just wanted to get few through a few interviews before actually getting you on, and now I've had all the practice, and so now you get to squirm <laughs> in the hot seat. We've already restarted like four times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all uphill from here. So, um, we also have a special guest in the studio with us. Uh, we have Cha-Cha here in the studio with yep, us. She's our little Yorkie. Yeah. Um, we had to take her, her collar off. She had like a, a jingle bell on it. So we didn't oh, have that Oh, that's why she's yeah, quieter. That. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's just roaming around. We got to keep an eye on her though. She, she digs into things, but I'm glad we have a special guest on. Yeah. Well, Duncan, why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you got into music start start when we were we were younger when you were 12 and mom and dad tried to get you into it yeah so 12 was like a part of my life that was like a transition I would say um you know I was really big into baseball Mm -hmm. and I was doing travel baseball I played for like Destin Black Sox I played for Navarre um i forgot about that yeah and i was i was really heavy into baseball i I was doing catching training i was getting hitting training um i loved it but the older i got the more i could tell that like the the competition was more fierce the older i got and on top of that coaches and everything it just kind of got progressively worse like when i was really little playing baseball and everything you know, we were just little kids, just let them run and, and play. But yeah, then older as, you got, that drama yeah, just got insane. The, the drama gets worse and worse because, you know, the, as kids, you, like, start to mature in your brain. Everyone's hitting puberty, and it's like, you know, hormones are kicking in, and, you know, coaches are picking favorites, and, you know, it was just – it was too much, too much pressure, 
you know, and especially for something that's supposed to be fun. And I wasn't having fun with it anymore, pretty much. So Bless you, Cha-Cha. You know, I tried for the baseball team. Just a, a lot of drama was happening. And so I eventually had to make a decision in my life that I wasn't going to play baseball anymore. And that was really hard. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to our parents about it, like especially yeah. at Longhorns. I don't know if you were, I remember, you remember at Longhorns. Yeah, because yeah, it was anytime you make a big transition in your life, it's like you have to talk about it and yeah. you have to sit down and. I think it's really hard, too, because, like, we have our older sister, Brittany. Like, she was an athlete. Yeah. Then you had me, not an athlete. I was the brain kid. <laughs> when you tried to play softball and everything. Yeah, we don't talk about that. I was good at volleyball. I got, I yeah, was, I remember volleyball. I was really good at volleyball. I remember volleyball. Um, and then I got hurt. So, anyway, I was the brain kid. I was yeah. into academics, public yeah. speaking, Brittany pageants. Was the athlete. And then... Um, you were like kind of set to be the athlete too, I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, we just, the area that we grew up in, mm-hmm. we are prone to kind of like that drama surrounding success yeah. always. It's like little town drama, like daddy ball, your typical stuff you get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had to talk to our parents about it. And it was like, it was more of a come to Jesus moment because like, I'm not going to the MLB. Yeah. I, w- I was good for the area, but... You know, as soon as you step out of your state, it's it's all, it's pretty much game over. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not going to the MLB, you know. So we had to be like, well, you know, you need to like kickstart your life because, you know, either you can keep playing baseball and do this for another five years mm-hmm. and not go anywhere with it, or you can start re- where you're going to go now. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I still miss baseball, but not not presently. I don't. I used to whenever I had to make that decision, and I just started gigging and doing music. Mm-hmm. But now, like, it really hit with my friends. So, with my friends, you know, they all got to play baseball during middle school and high school ball, and I wasn't there, and I was out gigging and playing music, and. You know, doing baseball and stuff was the cool thing to do. Not so much that I was worried about it, but, you know, being cool and being on the baseball team and, you know, having that camaraderie, I didn't have it. Yeah, it was just I me totally solo. get it. I mean, it's high school is a hard time for a lot of people. I was kind of that that popular nerdy person that like everybody knew, but I didn't really fit into any of the boxes. Yeah. And then you have what you were trying to do and you were completely on the outskirts of what was going yeah, on. Like, but now, uh, like, just watch how yeah. funny it gets. Like, yeah. as I get older, the people that I didn't talk to in high school are constantly reaching out to me. Like, oh my gosh, what you're doing is so cool. How are you? Like, right. I wish we would have talked back then. And as you get older and the further you get away from high school the more you realize that it did not matter and that all these people are going to be clamoring after the success that you're doing Mm -hmm. because you worked hard. Yeah. And I'm not talking against any of my friends or buddies that I played baseball with either. Like, I think it's great, you know, that they were able to play baseball for as long as they did. But when they had their last game, which was a regional game that they lost, everybody's looking at each other like, now what? we're all going to college now, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to continue baseball. It's almost like 80% of the team isn't continuing baseball with their life. So it's like, that's it. 
mm-hmm. like game over. Now it's like you go home and you wake up, you don't have practice, you know, you don't have game day to prepare for. You're just sitting there yeah. and you're like, well, I have to do something. I have to make money. I have, yeah, it's a crappy ending. So, you know, I didn't, because all my friends stopped playing baseball now because they've had to, because they have to form mm-hmm. some kind of a realistic life if they're not pursuing like the MLB or something. Now I, I feel a lot better than I used to about it. Cause now it's yeah. like, well, I'm in this great situation, you know, for four or five years I'm in gigging and I'm making money and I'm doing well. And now they're not making, they're having to learn where I was at four years ago. Yeah. They're learning now. Yeah. So now it's worth it. You know, at the time I thought about, I was like, man, you know, I always, I miss, miss catching or, you know, just miss being with my friends. But now it's like. My friends were going to leave anyways, Yeah, whether I play baseball with them or not. No matter what, like it always sucks when you're going through it. Yeah. And until you get out of it, like onto the other side, yeah. does it feel worth it? Um, so like, let's start with, uh, we got through baseball and um, talk a little yeah, bit about was... Hans. Yeah. So the baseball thing, that was all the backstory to how I got into, into guitar playing. So I had nothing to do. I wasn't playing baseball anymore, and I was sitting around the house, and my dad had an old Alvarez that was just dusty and just, you know, sitting on a guitar stand <laughs> He not never picked it up. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> that, like, my our mom, she always wanted to get my dad into playing because she knew how much he loved guitar and loved music. Yeah, and dad so loves she, music. Yeah, so sh- she bought him, like, that Keith Urban guitar with the CD and everything. So we had two guitars. We had the Keith Urban one and the Alvarez. Yeah, like, I have the yeah. Keith Urban now. Yeah, you do. And so I remember just being so bored that I saw the Alvarez and I was like, you know, I'll start picking with it. So I I remember vividly picking towards the tuning machines on the guitar, like Mm -hmm. the top part of it, not even playing the strings. I didn't know what I was doing, but I would like to just pick it and make a little rhythm out of it. And so I believe the story goes that my mom was like, told my dad to get some lessons. And so just because I was showing some form of interest in it and I didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And so I remember dad was like, not a fan of that. He did not yeah. want to do that. Not no. at all. I think it was all, it was all just really hard too to like, dad's always loved music, but, um, I don't think any of us really at that point, because you were leaving baseball and everything. And, um, it was hard to think of how like to do it. Like yeah. the schools we have down here are not like equipped with the arts. No. So it's not like we could easily be like, oh, sign up for guitar one right. and like let's learn it. Yeah, everything is couldn't. everything is banned. Yeah, and there's no guitar in band, and like and like instruments. Yeah, <laughs> oh, but it's no. like you go out and you're like you want to go with your friends, listen to live music. You're not listening to a marching band at halftime, and yeah. that's what band is in music, and that's all they have pretty much in middle school. That's or high school. all we had here. Yeah, so there was no like really arts thing that I could go do that was fitting to what my interests were Mm -hmm. and so my mom told my dad or our mom she was like let's give him some guitar lessons and you know how he was about it he was not a fan of it because you know I think he came around eventually I think it was just hard to stomach after um like you being in travel ball and like all that stuff was like so expensive you know and then we're gonna ditch that hobby and pick up one that's yeah. potentially more expensive but than the from last. their perspective they haven't had a musician yeah kid yet 
everything was sports. Yeah. I mean, you tried sports. Brittany tried sports. Well, that's all we had access to here. Yeah. So. And so to be like, you know, he's going to pick up the guitar and do something with it sounded very slim. Yeah. I'm sure to him. And so thankfully mom convinced him just to give me a couple lessons. Yeah. And so my dad talked to one of his good buddies named Shannon Wallace, who's been gigging down here for a long mm-hmm. time. And he was like, you know, if I'm going to get him a teacher, you know, I want to give him a good teacher. So he talked to Shannon and Shannon's played with Keith Urban back in the day. What? Yep. He played with Keith Urban down oh, here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I remember I was in the studio with Shannon and I saw, he has like a bunch of pictures of him playing with Keith Urban. He, Keith Urban looks completely different. You I know, they all Keith look completely Urban. different. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's just super cool. And so Shannon told my dad like, hey, there's a guy named Hans. He's German, mm-hmm. but he's one of the best guitar players I know. So get a hold of him. So that's what we did. So we got a hold of Hans. And <laughs> Hans was Hans was a character. Hans was a short, stubby German guy with <laughs> with a mullet. Was it a mullet? It was, it like, was like a long hair. It was deal. like an attempt at a mullet, I think. Yeah. It was like I don't think he was trying to style it. I think yeah. that's just like how it grew. Yeah, it was just it was just him. He had um bunch of rings on. It was like old like rock star yeah, like kind of thing. Rock. And so I remember he came up and he brought his Alvarez. He had one too. Really? We both had an Alvarez, I didn't but his know that. his had a cutaway. And so he started teaching me. Oh no, I just kind of had this obsession with what he was teaching me. Not at first, first, because it was hard. I remember being, yeah, yeah. I remember being irritated almost. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't irritated at at Hans. It was irritating that I couldn't do it immediately. Yeah, you just wanted to pick it up and do it. And I've I've (laughs) always been known for like wanting to do something instantly. Like you learning how to read was so hard (laughs) because you are just like, you are very much a, I know that I'm capable of this, so I want to yeah. do it right this second. Yeah. And you've always been that way. And guitar yeah. was no exception at yeah. all. So I was I was like, why can't I do what he's doing? And the thing about having a teacher like Hans, because he was a blues guitar teacher. And I mean, mm-hmm. he was, to this day, he's the best acoustic or electric guitar player I've even seen, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, of course, like, there's Steve Ray Vaughan, but, like, in my own eyes, 100% it's Hans. I got Hans. a personal level. 100% it's Hans. He had a feel, a blues feel on the guitar, and just the way he played was, like, it felt specifically just to Hans. So, even though I was irritated and, like, God, why can't I do this? I always had this burning desire that I knew I want to play like Hans. I was like, I want to play just like him. That sounds so good. I don't know what he's yeah. doing, but I want to do that. Because I was just obsessed with how good it sounds. Like, God, it sounds so good. How is he doing that? One of the hardest things for me, I remember, was palm muting. And palm muting is something that... Do you know what palm muting is? No. So, okay. So, <laughs> palm so palm muting is if you were just to take a pick in your guitar and you were just a strum, mm-hmm. okay, and you envision that, it, the guitar is going to play super loud and it's just going to sound like a strumming guitar. Yeah. But if you take the fatty part of your palm and rest it on the strings with like this really light touch, when you strum, it'll have a slightly muted sound to it. Mm. And it helps with dynamic because 
I mean, you've gone out to see live music and someone's just strumming the whole entire time yes. and it's annoying. Well, what the counter to that is palm muting. That's what makes it great. Okay. So I use palm muting. A ton of people do. But an experienced guitar players or guitar players that haven't had a role model like Hans or, or somebody wouldn't know what palm muting is. And it makes a huge difference. But the yeah. thing about it is that's hard. Like mm-hmm. I just told you, all you're doing is resting your hand on the strings to make it sound more muted. Right. But if you were to try that right now, the the yeah. guitar isn't going to play because you're going to be muting it too hard. Mm-hmm. And so I remember hearing Hans do it because I was like, Hans, I'm playing the same thing you are that you're teaching me, but yours sounds so much better. Yeah. And so he would tell me that was palm muting. And I was like, like, tell me how to do it. How do I palm mute so I can sound like it? And he was just like, it's just a feel thing. <laughs> you know, he was That's like, he, he was yeah, yeah, he was, everything. he was like, he was like, you'll get to it, you know? And the truth is, I got to it because I kept listening to it. Yeah. I had to match what I was hearing with what I was playing on guitar. So I kept trying things out and I got to the point where I was sounding similar to Hans. And that just got me so much more excited because yeah. now I'm at a point where I was irritated and learning, but I was fascinated with it. And now I'm starting to sound like Hans in, in a way. Like, I'm not playing like Hans. I'm trying to sound like Hans. Yeah. And so that just gave me so much inspiration. I think it boosted your confidence a lot, too. And um, he was just a character. Like, he yeah. was always so nonchalant about everything. Right. And um, he was, like, a lot of fun to, like, listen to and, like, watch. Yeah. But I remember, like, it being frustrating for sure. Um, now, what about Carl? Right. So... You had two very different like style yep i had two different styles so with hans it was bluesy and i i loved it and hans started to teach me so hans was teaching me basic chords basic 12 bar blues and everything and then Mm -hmm. he started to touch on some finger picking and so my first finger picking song was dust in the wind Mm -hmm. and i remembered the I'm pretty sure it was the day that he taught me. He stayed because I was his last student and he stayed extra late. And I think he stayed on the back porch with my dad drinking bourbon and playing guitar because mm-hmm. he was just so good. And I remember that night I had it like 70, 75% down already. Mm-hmm. And Hans was like, you know, I've never seen somebody pick it up that quick talking about finger picking. So I yeah. think finger picking itself came really natural to me. Yeah. Um, with like playing landslide and dust in the wind, it came really natural. It was kind of like a puzzle in my head. Whenever you're finger picking, it's like a puzzle. And so once you're able to get that puzzle, mm-hmm. then you just continue playing it throughout the whole entire song. Like landslide, it's the same picking pattern, but you have to get the picking pattern first. So sadly, Hans was a typical musician and he wouldn't show up nine yeah. times out of ten, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, he would get the check at the end of the month and not show up until the next end of the month to get his next check kind of deal. Yeah. And so I was getting to a point where I was, it really hurt my mom I th- or our mom most because she saw how excited I was to see Hans again. Cause he was so good. And he was like, Oh, I have a flat tire or, you know, it was always, it was always, it was always a crazy story. And so we just had, you know, our dad who was went up to Hans and was like, you know, we can't pay you anymore. Like, we don't want to fire you, but 
we're just paying you for nothing now. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have the money to dish out like that. Yeah. And so Hans was like, you know, it's no problem. I completely understand. And so that was that. I hated it with a passion, but from a, our parents' standpoint, they're watching their kid yeah. not get help anymore. It was really hard because, like, he was consistent for a while, and then yeah. the, it just it just kind of dropped off a little bit. And I think, too, um, when it did drop off, like, you were at a point where, like, you had gotten a lot out of him as a teacher, yeah. and so there wasn't yeah. much more that you yeah. could do anyway. Yeah, but after um after Hans... We were looking for a guitar teacher. And so my dad had a buddy named Ben mm-hmm. that owned a piece of property right across from, from our dad. And he had a automotive shop. Mm-hmm. And he still does, but he still he worked on cars, changing oil, windshield wipers, everything like that. And so dad went over to Ben and was like, you know, we had a fire you know, Duncan's guitar teacher and, and Ben, I don't remember how Ben knows Carl, but this, yeah. this is true. This is how we got with Carl. I yeah. had no idea. And Ben was like, I know a guitar teacher's name's Carl Shaw. And I, I swear it was, it was Ben. If it, I know 100%. It was Ben. That's so because, random. Because, yeah, because there was no, like, how do we get a hold of Carl Shaw? How do we find out? Yeah. So that was like, um, Came back to me and was like, hey, we have a, a guy named Carl Shaw, Ben Ben recommends, and he should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so I go over to Carl's house, and Carl is a, he's like a... Is he Canadian? He's Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a 65-year-old man. And we pull up to his house, and he has like a you know, really nice house. Um, he's super sweet. Yeah, he's super sweet. And we, we pull up, and... We meet Carl, and Carl, I didn't know what to expect from him, and so... I think it's funny, because, like, him and Hans are probably polar two, yeah. opposites They're polar as far opposites. as po- personality yeah, goes. Like, polar opposites. Carl would, like, do anything for you, and, yeah. like, was very reliable. Yeah, and he still is, yeah. Yeah. And, but that's true. Hans and Carl are, like, were two different teachers for me. Mm-hmm. Hans was more... Um, I think Hans helped was, you find your passion in music. Yeah, yeah. He and did. then Carl like fine tuned it into a talent. Yeah, pretty much. Because Hans was very I would say more loose with his with his um mm-hmm. training and everything. Which was good for me because I was at a loose point because I'm just learning. I yeah. don't need to be strict. And then once I was done with that and I went to Carl, Carl was a polar opposite. Carl was like, you know, I work my tail off at playing. This is, why I'm, this is why I play the way I do. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get good, you need to practice. And yeah. I can tell if you're not practicing kind of thing. So yeah. like Carl was very aware of if I was practicing or what I was practicing. So I remember going to his house and the first thing he did was give me banjo picks mm-hmm. on my fingers and my thumb. And I was like, you know, what is going on? And he was like, well, I'm a bluegrass teacher. Like he could teach anything, but like he mm-hmm. loves um teaching ragtag and, and bluegrass yeah. and stuff and so i was like what the heck and he was like <laughs> he was like well you'll you'll get used to the banjo picks but you'll like them because they play really it's like having three picks in your hand compared to just one mm-hmm. and being able to finger pick and so i was like okay this is kind of weird and carl <laughs> carl was it, it was at the, yeah it was it really was, weird i was yeah. like god i don't know if i want to do this this is weird 
And so dad was pretty set on like, you know, this is, he's a great guy, you know, so you're going to commit to this. I was like, okay. And I just kept using the finger picks and I eventually got used to it because it was, it was hard to, because it's taking your fingers and extending it half an inch, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying play with it. It's not a feeling of your fingers, Mm -hmm. but it helps you with, I would say, I don't know about speed because it could create drag whenever you're picking really quickly because you're it's a it's weight on your mm-hmm. finger, but it helps with clarity a ton, and so that's what Carl was good at mm-hmm. was clarity of the guitar and what Dad always says. What does he say? Clean, clean. <laughs> clean. <laughs> if you know our dad, you would probably be laughing right now. Clean is good the word Lord. for everything, and we hate yeah, that word hate like part of why dad hasn't been on the podcast yet is because when he is eventually on we're gonna do a tally of how many times he says clean and it's just the way he says it's it. just the way he says <laughs> it's it it's way. like whenever your spouse says your name a certain way or your yeah. mom says the name a certain way it's like yeah. take me off this earth please. <laughs> <laughs> i can't stand that. but his clarity and his playing was just unbelievable and that's where i learned to hone my craft was yeah. with carl um it was playing with precision playing not so much with speed but learning how being focused on learning in the beginning stages the speed will come yeah i was like a speed demon because i remember listening to hans i was like you know that stuff sounds good i want to speed up and play like that mm-hmm. but with what i was learning you can't just speed up yeah. with finger picking and ragtag and so you know ragtag is like i would say it's like boom 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 on a bass like swing music yeah. in a sense and so with the finger picking i'm doing that with my thumb and i'm using my index and my middle finger to play the melody notes so mm-hmm. it's like the chet atkins finger yeah. picking like enter sandman mm-hmm. um like those or mr sandman those those like, are those, very those, different songs, yeah, yeah i know yeah. but <laughs> mr sandman like all of those finger picking songs yeah um that's what it like originated from so okay. that's where i got my clarity was from carl yep so the theme is like moving on getting over and yeah. which is is that a song? It's John Mayer. That's a, that's a John Mayer song. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, moving on and getting over. But after that, it was just me still grinding and learning, pretty yeah. much. Um, after that, I got a gig at Great and Seafood, um, which yeah, is, they were really good to you. Yeah. So, so the way I got my first gig was from a guy named Steve Ortner and he came over and he said that he knew the owners at Great and Seafood and at the time this was during COVID so yeah, that's that my big like story. That was like a really weird weird time. Yeah that was my big story because during COVID nobody was working and so at least musicians weren't because mm-hmm. musicians didn't know what was going on and so restaurants are trying to stay afloat but they can't afford to pay a musician. Yeah. So not only can they not afford to pay a musician, that's if a musician wants to work. Yeah. And so I got up with Great and Seafood and the owner's Tabitha and She's great. Yep, and Ken, right? Yeah. And so Tabitha was like, Look, you know, we can't pay you, but you can always play for tips here. Yeah. 
and I'm like, this is my first gig ever. You know, I don't sing. I just kind of play guitar. Yeah, you were just but doing background music. I was just then. doing background music. I probably I did all background music, but I sang maybe two or three songs. Yeah. Do you remember seeing me during this time of me playing yeah. Grand Stephen at my first gig? Did I play for three hours? Yeah, you played a long time. You were exhausted. I played for three hours of like instrumental music, didn't I? Yeah. It was really a really long period really? of time. Yeah. Because like it feels like a blur now because I've done so much. And you, but... you sing now, so it's like yeah. you were in a totally different space. Yeah. I was... Wow, that's crazy to think that I did three hours of instrumental music. Well, like sprinkled in with two or three songs of singing, but that's yeah. like Great and Seafood was really good, I think, for a your confidence and like learning, um, learning a crowd because the way they had it set up was like you had your little pavilion where you would play. And yeah, then we were outside would... on the parking lot because of COVID. Yeah, it was really, really, it was a cool setup in a weird time of the world, and yeah. um, you got your biggest tip ever. Yeah, there. I made a thousand dollars in tips one night. Yeah, and talking to like my mentor Chris, I'll talk about later. But I remember talking to him about it, and Chris was like, "You know, those don't come very often." And the truth is, I haven't had a thousand dollar night ever since. Yeah, and that was my first night, and I got a five hundred dollar tip from someone anonymous. Kind of, kind of know what he looks like, maybe a beard, yeah. but. You know, Tabitha didn't even want to tell me because the guy that tipped me $500, we're not talking about the other $500 that I just made straight up. Yeah. But I got a $500 tip and she was like, he doesn't want me to tell you who it is, but I just want to let you know because she was so excited mm -hmm. that she couldn't wait till after the gig to tell me. So yeah. she had to like write it on a piece of paper and showed it to me or something yeah. like that. And so he wanted to remain anonymous because he didn't want me to like... Hey, shout out to the guy that just tipped me $500. Yeah. He's trying to enjoy his evening with his wife. And yeah. I believe I said something about my Camaro is why. Because I was like, you know, I have a yeah, Camaro I'm building with my dad and everything. And so, you know, looking back on that, I think it'd be really cool to do that to a kid in my future. Yeah. You know, imagine Absolutely. like, imagine me. You make it big, that. household name, and then you just tip the starting musician and start the cycle all over yeah. again. <laughs> and I mean, that was, I remember dad and mom are just like, holy crap. And then yeah. here was the holy crap moment. I made $500 in On tips. And so, I mean, I guess I can put, this is how my tips came. I'm a young kid doing instrumental music that, how did it sound? I feel like it wasn't bad. No, of course it not. It wasn't bad. I was just doing instrumentals. Dude, you wouldn't and, have um, made $1,000 if it was Yeah, bad. true. But I didn't want it to feel like it just came out of pity or anything. Yeah, no. I, I think that's part of like why people are that's drawn to you. Yeah. It's because like you are obviously working hard. And yeah. um, like shout out to mom and dad for our music taste because we get right. complimented on that yeah. all the time. Right. Um, like our favorite music is like, eagles and john mayer yeah. and like, these, Every, like very young yeah like very since young. we were little like if we're in the car with dad it's the bgs yeah and <laughs> i want i want to tell this story too oh no yep dad had a bmw <laughs> oh, yeah. seven series that i miss to this day and it it was, was such it a nice car it was the black one the black four-door oh yeah you remember yeah and so this car was like 2000 
early 2000s. The one with the phone in it? Yeah, with the phone <laughs> with in the it. Phone yeah, in this, it. this BMW phone. 7 Series, it was in a, in a James Bond movie. This thing was, looking back on it now, was really ahead of its time. It had yeah. folding mirrors. Yeah, it did. And everything. Like cars, like that's an option nowadays. Like yeah. mom's Mercedes has folding mirrors. Like, oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. That car had it in like the early 2000s. Yeah. And so I remember that during that time in the early 2000s that there were CDs and the CD player was had can contain like six or yeah. 10 CDs in the back of it. And so therefore changing CDs wasn't like the easiest thing to do. Cha-cha. Cha-cha's on Mia's lap right now. But She's changing CDs input. wasn't the easiest thing to do. So you put in your 10 CDs and at least dad did. He was like, yeah. you know, forget about it. You know, <laughs> like just, it you was know, always the it same was always 10 the CDs. same 10 CDs. <laughs> and so what was on that CD was Pink Floyd. Yep. Mm, Foreigner. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. I mean, just all, I remember Pink Floyd and Foreigner the most. Yeah. But there was just like, you know, Prince and just stuff. CDs like that. I mean, mm-hmm. just like the best music of all time. Well, that's like what inspired uh, the other version of this hat, you know, like that mm. dad's rock mix. Was yeah. Those rides in the back of that yeah. that car with the blown out speaker. Oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> we have so many stories of this BMW because it was such a part of our life. Yeah. Well, we did sense. family road trips in that car. We did road trips in it. And like, I remember the smell of it. Like the leather. Of hearing the same music every time I got in there. And I'm kind of thankful for it now because, you know, if I were like, I show my girlfriend like Pink Floyd and it's Mm -hmm. not that she's incapable of listening to Pink Floyd, but it's so hard to have somebody listen to something that is so out there on their own time when they could just listen to Morgan Wallen or anything else that they like to listen to and know the song because songs are easy to understand. But when you listen to Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin. Um, Led Zeppelin or the Eagles or anything, it's like their music is like art. Like it has more, the music is more of a purpose than just it's a song that sounds good. Like yeah. there's meaning and more purpose. And not that there's it. like anything wrong with like the music now, but I think it's like harder to find people who you can talk to about yeah. older music just because it's not as common. It's not what's played on the radio anymore. Yeah. But the music was really authentic. It was more authentic than it is today yeah. on average overall. Yeah. Like there's still musicians there that write authentic music. Don't get me wrong. But what's played on the radio isn't as authentic as it was back then. Yeah. So when you're sitting in a, in a BMW and the same record keeps playing, you yeah. learn how the songs go. Mm-hmm. And then... Kansas. Yep. All that stuff. And so... As you were talking about with the speaker, the blown out speaker, you can you can say that. I remember Brittany, our older sister, that was yeah, an athlete. She thought it was a, a frog. She thought it was a frog yeah. in the so back. So it, it had a blown out speaker in the back, and I think Dad didn't replace it because he never. I don't think he replaced. No, he it never did. The entire yeah. time we but just think, had to deal it with it. Because it was really expensive. Yeah, we yeah. just had to deal with it. Because if you turned it, the volume up a lot, it would go make that frog Not noise. Not even a lot. It was like. It was Just like halfway for us so, to hear it. Yeah. And it would go off. <laughs> like it if, was like bad. if, it, if, it, if the bass kicked really hard, it was like, <laughs> it sounded like you could a hear bullfrog. It. it sounded like a bullfrog. And I remember Brittany was in the back. And like, I think at this point, we just didn't even notice it because yeah, we, we were just so kind used of ignored to it. it. And Brittany 
had a spasm in the back yeah. seat because she, she heard it and she thought it was, a, it was frog. a frog. She was like, there's a frog back here. <laughs> you know what's going on? She was so And mad. we all died laughing. She <laughs> was, was convinced funny. too, man. Like that mm-hmm. thing was a frog. Yeah. Speaking of frogs, do you remember the PT Cruiser? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. The frogs so, that lived yeah, in that Your first thing. car was a PT Cruiser. Yeah. And... That's another story. It's crazy how music and cars are such big parts of our lives. But that, yeah, your your first car was a PT Cruiser. It was a piece of junk, but it, it was, was my Chrysler. piece of junk. It was your piece of junk, <laughs> and I remember you got it from a guy that riced it out. Dad, straight up well, riced. Dad it. picked the car, so like I'm shocked. Dad picked something like that. This I'm, thing. I'm, had, I'm curious to know the reason for that. Dad picked uh, this car, and it had like disco lights and the speakers. <laughs> In the trunk, in the ceilings. Oh, no. It had this exhaust on it that was just oh, ridiculous. Oh, the muffler <laughs> was insane. That? And then uh, it took me how many months of driving to realize that this kid blacked out the headlights on the car. Wait, he did? Yeah. Like, it, I would remember being like, Dad, I can't see. And he's like, you're fine. <laughs> like You're being dramatic. <laughs> and we took the cover off and there was like, no joke, like a layer of spray paint. Really? Like, this kid muted the headlights. Like, I don't know what this kid was on. But you said frogs, and that's because on the inside oh, yeah. of the door jams. Track. Yeah, it just like that heavy door jam. Like, they would live in there. Like, you open up the door, it was like a family of frogs. Minimum 10 Minimum every time 10, I went to school. Yeah. And you can't, you can't outrun them <laughs> when you're getting in the car. <laughs> you open it up, and they jump, and you can't... <laughs> what are you going to do? And I remember driving to school, and it was just like a matter of time before one ended up jumping on my leg because you cannot run them getting in the car yeah like you've got to get in there <laughs> you got to get in there with the frogs. oh man and then uh britney i think she rode in the car like once or twice but um even her she had an old bmw that was dad's yeah that thing and was awesome. her thing that was such a cool car too and um it's just funny because like each of our cars i think had very different music like when you think about it, mm. like when we were in mom's car, it yeah. was John Mayer, uh, the Shrek 2 soundtrack that I was obsessed yeah. with. Um, and then uh, what else? Like, dad, you've got that one, like that one BMW that he had with yeah, all and the like sound. Mom Sonata, she played a lot of pop. A lot of pop. Um, yeah. But like I specifically remember like John Mayer being like mom's music. Now, you probably remember that more than I do because John Mayer was before my time, I want to yeah. say. He was. Like, he was yeah. your time or maybe, like, your time in a couple of years back, like, 90s. Yeah. Like, growing up, um, Early obviously, 2000s. like, I'm five years older than you. Um, like, mom would drive me and her to, like, grandma's or whatever, and um, she tells the story better than I do, but I thought I was an adult the second I came out of the womb. So when I talked, like I, I would talk like I would use big words. Right. And like, oh, I remember that. Now. Yeah. Do you know the story that I'm talking about? Yeah, the like, traffic. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and um, we were sitting in traffic, and I, apparently, thank God I grew out of it. But I talked like Elmer Fudd, growing up, <laughs> like the cartoon character, mm-hmm. and uh, I was copying my mom, and I was like, Mom this traffic is frustrating. <laughs> I remember and, uh, that. And she it, died laughing. Yeah. So funny. And I promise this relates to John Mayer because <laughs> he has, um, in the song, Your Body is a Wonderland, mm-hmm. there's a line 
where it's like, you frustrate me. Uh-huh. Like, he doesn't say it like, you frustrate me. Yeah. Like, he says it like I did when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And um, mom's all, like, every time it comes on and we hear that song, mom looks at me. So, mom was listening to Room for Squares back in the day? Yeah. 100%. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She played wow. it all the time. Um, I listened to John Mayer, like, really heavily growing up with her. And then... I didn't know um, that. On top of that, like, uh, the Finding Nemo, particularly for the song that says Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Mm-hmm. Listen to that one really mm-hmm. heavily. And then the Shrek 2 soundtrack. Like, between that yeah, and John Shrek, Mayer. I remember Shrek was um, Counting Crows, correct? That was the yeah, first one I least, right? Yeah, Counting Crows and yeah. uh, smash mouth man i remember counting crows now because mom is a big counting crows fan yeah like mr jones all that stuff like that is august and everything after i think is the album name and i remember listening to those in the bmw yeah that's where i got yeah Yeah. like that album was in the bmw and it was like songs like omaha that was one of my favorites yeah omaha somewhere in the middle of america it's the heart that matters most that one that omaha mr jones so, they have so many. They had so many on that album. Yeah. Like sha la la la. Like th- yeah. it's just iconic. So. But it's funny because like that's what I that's what I relate to mom. Mm-hmm. And then like with dad, I think like um, the Eagles. Yeah. Um, dad was really big into like music documentaries. Yeah. And so like I always got drug into watching those with him. Really. And like the Bee Gees one we had on repeat. Really? Like, I don't know why, but, like, you were definitely little, and uh, me and him would watch that thing so much, and dad, uh, my our dad, uh, he loves watching and listening to the same thing over and over oh again, my God. like, to the point where we are all exhausted, yeah. um, and that documentary was, like, no exception. That one, I think Rod Stewart was, like, another one that he really liked. Yeah, and that brings me back because... Dad has like those amplifiers and stuff mm-hmm. in the in the living room that yeah. was supposed to play to like surround sound, mm-hmm. but he has it hooked up to our back porch. Yeah. So whenever we were on the back porch, he'd play his old CDs that either he put together or mm-hmm. just like a Rod Stewart CD. And I remember that he did one, I think if I'm correct, that has a mix of everything that he listened to. And how do like how diverse is data music? Like let's take a second to really think about it because he's all over the place. Rod Stewart, Collective Soul. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was like Puddle of Mud, um, Mashbox Twenty, Daughtry. Daughtry, I love Daughtry. I love Daughtry. I think Daughtry. I got is my like first a big accident got. listening to Daughtry. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> my, my first accident was Daughtry because You've i was in two oh you have been yeah, in two yeah both of them have been in the van both of them been in the van yeah so i drive a van around with all my music gear yeah. in it and my first one i was listening to Daughtry because like <laughs> i go through phases kind of like dad does i yeah. kind of go through phases right now i'm in a i just started my leonard skinner phase but mm. because i would think i was in the shower and the song all I Can Do Is Write About It by Leonard Skinner came on. Oh, yeah. And it, I was listening to it, and I was like, like, I, I always listen to Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home mm-hmm. Alabama and stuff. And we watched the documentaries when I was, you know, younger about how great they were. 
But now I'm just listening to Leonard Skinner again, which is kind of cool because their songwriting and everything they did was just, I mean, amazing. And hearing it come from such a country, southern rock era, you wouldn't think that their songwriting and their tastefulness and their guitar licks and melodies would be as good as is. But they were amazing. Yeah. So I like today I've been nonstop listening to Leonard Skinner. And that's just because like the song Give Me Three Steps. Like da 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 da. But if you listen to the words, it's a whole story that he's talking about. Give me three steps, you know, to let me get out the door. I didn't mean to kiss her, you know? Yeah. But like until you actually pay attention to the lyrics, you're just listening to a good old Southern rock song. But you listen to it and you're like, wow, these are good lyrics. All I can, yeah, all I can do is write about it is, I mean, great melody and everything. So I've been on the Leonard Skinner kick right now. Well, run it back with the Daughtry. So I was in Niceville coming back from college in dual enrollment. And I was right in front of the Chick-fil-A. And <laughs> that Chick-fil-A is always packed, yeah, too. But I remember this. Everything I'm about to say is exactly how it went down. I had Daughtry playing. And so the light turned green. And I was in the fast lane. And everybody takes off like normal. <laughs> so I get up to speed. And I, f- like, when I say up to speed, like I'm going to say, like. 45 miles an hour. I would say, like, 35. Like, I was, like, accelerating. Okay. And I was accelerating to get up to speed, but it was like, you know, this is no other time, any other time that I'm just speeding up at a green light. Yeah. So I felt the need to, I think it was either change the song or turn it up. It was probably to change the song. And on my like Nissan, I have like that, mm-hmm. like that screen that like, you know, it's kind of buggy sometimes when you click like next, sometimes it won't yeah. work. So I was looking at that and then boom, it was like a flashbang just happened. Ears were ringing. And I remember like opening up my eyes, similar to like a movie. Ears yeah. are ringing, airbag is in my face, and there's dust Wait, everywhere. The, air bo- the airbag yes. went off? Yeah, the airbag went off. Dude, I didn't know. I thought it was like a yeah. fender bender no, the first time. No, the air. I mean, it was a fender bender, but it was but like the airbag, enough. The airbag went the off. The airbag. Yeah. And so <laughs> when it went off, I remember opening up my eyes, and it was like, it was like Stranger Things, exactly. Yeah. You know you're in the underworld when you start seeing stuff float around like the yeah. dust and particles. It was exactly like that on did the, the inside of my car. Hmm? Did did the music keep playing? I think the music was still playing, yeah. Yeah. I but love I couldn't that. hear it cuz my ears were like <laughs> yeah, just, just ringing. ringing. And so I was like, "What just happened?" And um the lady in front of me slammed on her brakes because she said that she's um, there's a fire truck coming through the intersection on the other side of the highway. Um, mm. Looking back on it now, there's no excuse because I wasn't paying attention. I got the ticket anyways because it's yeah. like, you know, your fault. You hit somebody in the in the, the rear. Back. No yeah, matter in what. The rear. But she stopped in the middle of the intersection. Yeah. Which is something you don't do. Yeah. And it's still my fault though. But I looked down when just for the second when a fire truck was coming on the other side of the intersection. And so everyone in the slow lane didn't stop. She's the only one that stopped and slammed <laughs> on her brakes. Because everybody was one. like, we're already going through the intersection. Yeah, you know, he's it. just going through. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like he was slow down. Like if he was slow yeah. during the intersection, I understand everybody slamming on their brakes. It's yeah. like, we need to know what he's doing. But yeah. he was like on the far side towards Chick-fil-A just going through. And I was like... 
Like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is my first accident. So, like, you don't think it's real until it happens kind of thing. Yeah. And so, because I was trying to turn up or switch a Daughtry song, that, Man. you know, I got into that wreck. So, that's my story with Daughtry, but... <laughs> I actually, um, I think it's funny, because, like, I... Daughtry, like, Three Tours Down... Um, Three Doors Down was a big one. Three Doors Down was a huge one for us. Like, Dad's skydiving video. Kryptonite, I'll never forget that. (laughs) Flipping the camera off is iconic. I wonder where that video still is. I don't know. I'll have to probably post it eventually. um, Because it's a good one. And, like, our dad is crazy. um, As you can tell, probably, Mm -hmm. from the the best kind of crazy. Yeah, Three Doors Down. Um, But, yeah, so, I guess, like, talking about that and like all the music that we grew up with um what do you think so hopefully you get this question i ask it to everybody um who is your musical mount rushmore so four people uh we've i've interviewed and had some struggles in the past with people not realizing i'm asking for four so like your top four mount rushmore your mount rushmore who would you carve into the side of that mountain as far as music goes you can probably yeah but i'm going to say i'm gonna go backwards in time so right now the biggest influence on me is john mayer okay right now and it's weird because it's like, well, he hasn't came out with really any music. Like, yeah, he came out with Sob Rock, but, like, that isn't one of his best albums. So it's, why yeah. is it John Mayer? Well, I'm going to say John Mayer, number number four John Mayer, because he's, like, you know, what's present yeah. in my life. Because his guitar playing is unreal. The way he phrases, I mean, it's just so much to learn from John. Um, his songwriting as well. Yeah. You know, he has amazing songwriting in his older albums, but I've learned to appreciate his bad albums. Yeah. Because I'm trying, because songwriting is so hard. Exactly. But like, I'm songwriting is so hard Mm -hmm. and to like find like, it's like, say something to us. That means a lot to you, but you know, you're not feeling emotional. Yeah. You know, you're just like, well. I don't know what to say. I kind of went out for a walk today or anything. Like, there's nothing really interesting going on, or I'm not emotional. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's hard to dig into yourself and find stuff to write songs about. So when I listen to his worst albums, like Paradise Valley and stuff, his songs aren't Continuum or Battle Studies. But I listen to his lyrics, and I'm like, it gives me inspiration, because I'm like, you know, even my idol has songs that people are like, you know, this isn't that good, John. You yeah. Know? So John Mayer, number four. Um, I'm going to say number one is Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. Yeah. Not current though. Whenever I was learning from Hans, Stevie Ray Vaughan and that blues was just it. And it still is. Yeah. I mean, he's still, I would say my favorite guitar player, mm-hmm. but he was such an inspiration on me. His, like I said, his phrasing and just everything was just unbelievable. Yeah. So, one Steve Ray Vaughan, number four John Mayer. Guitar players are music. music. Just music. I think, um, I think we talk a lot about, like, your inspiration as far as guitar goes. But, yeah. like, who who would you put on the side of that mountain? I mean, 
it can be guitar players, but that's who you think you would put there. But if like music as a whole, so much. I know there's so many. It's like it's almost an impossible question. Yeah, but it's good because it makes you think. But Stevie Ray Vaughan, John Mayer. I have to put the Eagles in there. Yeah, the Eagles have been like a big part of me. Like, yeah. Like down to you growing up, you were afraid of like a little eagle statue. Everything was an eagle, yeah. Yeah, everything is eagles. We have a painting of one or a photo. Yeah. Your first was it your first concert? Yeah, was the eagles. Was the eagles? Yeah. So I have to put the eagles in there just because, when listening to them growing up, I didn't know what they were talking about or the lyrics, like mm-hmm. "Take It Easy" or any of those songs. I didn't know the meaning behind it, but I still loved them because yeah. the song just sounds so good and iconic. So. Eagles, Steve Ray Vaughan, John Mayer right now. And for number three, I ha- I have to go Led Zeppelin. I can't make this yeah. list without Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Just because of how out there they are with rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Like they are not just a rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. Listen to Going to California. Listen to Bron You Are. Listen to yeah. Bron You Are Stomp. Listen to all those songs like, I think it's Black Country Woman and all those just mm-hmm. those amazing acoustic songwriter songs yeah you know and it might surprise people that i'm not saying you know the beatles or anything like that yeah but you know everyone grew up listening to something different and carl his favorite band is the beatles and yeah. carl grew up during that time and the truthfully like beatles are the pioneers of a like almost everything in music like that and elvis yeah. so that's his but for me Steve Ray Vaughan, John Mayer, Eagles, and Led Zeppelin. Okay. So. It's a really solid list. Yeah. I would say that's the list. I think what will be cool about the question as well is, because people will say bands, right? Yeah. Well, you can only carve four faces. I mean, technically, yeah. So, I'm going to carve Stevie. Dang, that's going to be a hard one to carve. He's ugly. Oh, don't (laughs) He's ugly. Stevie. John Mayer from the Eagles who would I pick I think John Mayer would probably be the the best looking yeah Don I would have to put Don Henley on there just because it's Don Henley I mean okay. he's, he's he's singing most of the time but I'm not gonna put Glenn Fry on there yeah I don't know so Don Henley and then Led Zeppelin that's probably tougher it's like you know the the bass player um God, I forgot his name. I always do this. But it's Jimmy Page or Robert Plant. Which one would I put up there? They they all, all four of them put the music together. I don't like John Bomb on the drums. Yeah. Had just as many, yeah, just as many melodies on the drums as Jimmy Page did. Yeah. Like his, that's how iconic his drumming is. If you think Led Zeppelin, who do you think? I'd probably go Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page, you think of the the guitarist? Yeah, I think Jimmy Page, just because, like, uh, when I did the podcast on Led Zeppelin, like, I learned a lot about, like, each Mm -hmm. of the members of the band. And, like, uh, Jimmy Page, like, made Led Zeppelin. He did. So, like, I think think he would deserve, like, the spot. Yeah. Probably. That's just me. Yeah, because, like, his his history with with the Yardbirds and everything, that's... Really cool. And then it was mm. going to be the new Yardbirds. I'm so glad they did The do new that. Yardbirds. Yeah, so creative. Yeah. <laughs> so those are my four. Who are your four? 
Oh, I don't like to talk about my four. I know. I don't like to. Um, Obviously, John Mayer. Always. Okay. Um, Yeah, we're we're pretty set on John Mayer. Yeah, John Mayer is like going to be on there for me. And if you don't... Okay, I I have to say this. Because I feel like there's still people out there that are like this, including Dad. He used to be like this. And the way that I'm talking about is if you think John Mayer is a pop artist, you are... I don't think he you're, is. You're 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 wildly yeah. wildly off. Yeah. Um. No. He and not that you're off because you're like, well, I listen to Room for Squares, I listen to Continuum, mm-hmm. you know, and then I kind of stopped there because you know his songs are kind of poppy. He has good music, but I don't know a lot more. Yeah. And those people that say that I've had come up to me at my gigs, they love Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. They love Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I'm like, y'all are missing out on the world of John Mayer. Yeah. That's all he is. Yeah. Like he. He's insanely talented, and I love, like, a lot of his songwriting, and um, there's really not an album that I don't like from him, like Sob Rock. Um, I haven't covered John Mayer yet, even though he's my favorite, like, mm-hmm. of anyone, really, um, just because, like, I think for me and, like, my music taste, he hits, like, a lot of what I like, yeah. and um, I think that Sob Rock was, like, a really good opportunity. And I'll probably have you on for the John Mayer episode, like, once we go to a concert. Um, so we can review that together. Um, He's on solo tour right now. Yeah. And, like, I did my, like, a project. Like, what I studied towards the end of my master's degree and, like, really applied was, um, like, music communications and branding. And I studied, like, John Mayer. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, like, with the Sob Rock album, there was, like, a lot of missed opportunity there. Not really on his end, but, like, from Columbia. Was it Columbia? Yep, Columbia. Yeah, from, like, Columbia's side of, like, how to distribute that and how to handle that PR strategy that I think they just absolutely fumbled the bag. Really? And I think that he missed out on, like, a huge market. Because, like, when you look at um, really our age group, our like age we're really revitalizing kind of like that americana and that southern rock and um like greta van fleet and like we're getting back to what music really was i think as like an age group um yeah we still entertain like that pop and hip-hop and everything that comes in through a trend but i think at its core like that's why music festivals are becoming a big thing again Uh, because like you can discover like a lot of new actual music And um, anyway, to make a long story short, I just think that John Mayer had an opportunity to recapture like our age group mm-hmm. in an audience if they would have done it right. But I don't think they did. Yeah. Who's your number two? Um, This is where it gets hard because my music taste changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a lot of different things. Uh, number two, right this second, who would I put on the side of Mount Rushmore? Uh, probably Chris Stapleton. Okay. I, yeah. you know, I love country music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Stapleton's gonna be on there for me. Um, just because, like, I think he's kind of, between him and Tyler Childers, I think they've both really kind of helped pave that. Chris Stapleton is a generational act. I think yeah. if, because I think you lean more country than, mm-hmm. than I did. Yeah. I've gotten into country, but like you leaned into it way earlier than yeah. I did. If you didn't put Chris Stapleton on there, you know, like he is a generational I, I, th- I think you'd be shocked if he wasn't on my list. Yeah. Um, John Mayer, 
Chris Stapleton. I mean, that's a great. I I have to put Elvis. Elvis on okay. there. Okay. Um, I mean, he's king. Right. He um, I did the two episodes on Elvis, and I'll eventually redo them. But um, I think Elvis was really the first rock star. Mm-hmm. Like hands down, he is what made like a lot of what pop culture is now from performing and costuming. And like Chris and- Stapleton and Elvis are two completely different artists, but we're yeah. not doing the best artist versus the worst. We're doing what impacted us or impacts yeah. us the most. Yeah, like yeah. who I think deserves yeah. that spot. And that's what that's why I don't like to do my Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. because it is Yeah. It and the next episode you do I bet old change. You yeah. know? So who's your number four? Um after Elvis, this is where it gets weird again. I'd put Frank Sinatra up there. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Wow. I'm telling you it's I a had weird... a Frank Sinatra come on uh song come on last yeah. night and I was like wow. I need to listen to more Frank. It's a weird mix. Um yeah. but like I listen to all of them pretty consistently, um, but I think from my brain, I like I do all of your marketing and your media, so like that's how my brain like appreciates music. So like I love the story and I love the artistry that goes into it, but I really geek out on like the promotion and like kind of the strategy behind things. So that's I why ha- you love the Dolly Parton thing because she's yep. just recently came on out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, if I had a fifth spot, I'd probably put Dolly. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I think Chris Stapleton deserves to be on. Like, I've got two current for me, and then like the two OGs up there. Yeah, and I think Dolly's cool with. I don't think mm, people do know the story of "I Will Always Love You." Yeah, but I feel like it could be more known. Yeah, I'm doing an episode on Dolly probably oh, yeah. here within the that's next few weeks. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so so that's kind of. I I pick them all for different reasons, but definitely Elvis and Frank because um, Elvis was like the first real rock star, but I think Frank really kind of dove into like that PR and that strategy to get him big because like you see it in Nashville, like I know so many talented people that are not famous and until really you meet the right person at the right time, you get the right strategy behind you. Uh, not everyone makes it like you can be the next Elvis and you can be the next Dolly Parton and no one knows because you don't have strategy behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I really love like Frank Sinatra. There's like a, a really cool story of how he had a team and they paid like a gaggle of teenage girls to scream outside of his like recording studio wow. to like drive excitement that Frank Sinatra was there. Really, and it's just like it. It's really unique and like neat to understand that you can fake demand and you can make it, right. and um, that that just lends itself to like. That's kind of like the story with Kiss. Yeah, you know, like fake it till you make it. Yeah, and, and like going viral is a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you act like you know what you're doing the entire time, and then you go viral, you'll be fine. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's that's my Mount Rushmore. Well, that's gonna change. It will. Yeah. By the time I get asked that again, it will be different. I wonder if mine will change. I don't know. I think I think yours is very set, but for a different reason. Yeah. Because like yours is going to be like what influences you when you play. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I listen to John Mayer and like the emotion he puts like on his Paradise Valley. He just because he's doing that channel on Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. So he's I doing yeah all the, the late night shows and everything now. He said his least favorite album was Paradise Valley. That shocked me, honestly, because 
I really liked Paradise Valley. I thought that was a good one. It's not my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, but... it's not my favorite, but I listened to it and I was talking about, you know, how I struggle with songwriting. Listen to that and it gives me some inspiration. But it's not like this is bad songwriting. I'm inspired now. It's he has a song called Dear Marie. Yeah. And that song is about his high school lover mm-hmm. that I mean, I'm not sure if it's the same one, but he said he didn't have a lot of girlfriends at the time, but like yeah. your body's a wonderland. Well, that was about next. Mm-hmm. So he was on the podcast. Um, you know, I'm talking about, yeah, what, what, I, I forgot what the podcast is called, but he was on a podcast and he said that he'll scroll through that girl's, his ex's from high school Instagram. Oh, wow. Yep. And look for and kind of reminisce. And so that kind of made me think deeply because, like, imagine getting so famous of, like, John Mayer or Billie Eilish or something like that. That, you know, everybody says that they love you. But the times you reminisce on are before you're famous and people loving you because you knew it was real. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that clouds everything constantly. So he writes a song called Dear Marie. And so it's like... Dear Marie, I'm the boy you love whenever you were 15, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I listen to it, I'm like, wow. Like, that's a, I like that song because I know the story behind mm-hmm. it. That's a good song. You know, I listen yeah. to Badge and Gun. That's another one on the album that I like because it's kind of like a hymn. It's like an I amazing I love Queen Grace. of California. Yeah. Is that on that album? That's on The Search for Everything. Maybe it's Wildfire that I'm thinking of. That's on that. It's Wildfire. That has Wildfire, Frank, Frank Ocean, do a Wildfire. I don't know that one. The the Queen of California, that's the search for everything. It yeah, there's, Rosie there's on one there. on Paradise Valley that I really like. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah, John, John Mayer's done some great stuff, and he went to Berkeley and everything. But do you have another question? Um. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about, like, musical inspiration, what we enjoy listening to. Um, what is, like... I call it like your guilty pleasure song, like a song that you can turn up, crank it out. And you're like, I would be so embarrassed if people knew that I was belting this right now. Like, cause there's gotta be one or two. All right. (laughs) Hmm. All right. You kind of caught me at a bad time with this. So, you Uh-oh. did. You caught me at a bad time. So I have a girlfriend named Caitlin. Oh, no. I yeah, think I you, know where this is going. You kind of caught me at a bad time. So I love knowing what makes people tick. And I like, you know, having a conversation with somebody and really see where they're coming from. Yeah. And so, you know, I throw Pink Floyd or something like that at Caitlin. And I just sometimes, you know, it's not going to stick. Yeah. But She's like, I love Tim McGraw. I love yeah. Taylor Swift. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. She loves Zach Bryan as well. Yeah. And so how she opened up for Zach Bryan with, with Reese Brandt. And that yeah, you need crush. to tell that story in a minute. We'll yeah. talk about it. But so I was like, you know what? Because I like doing this. I'm going to see why does she like Zach Bryan? Why does she like Tim McGraw? Why does she like Taylor Swift? So I downloaded some albums on Spotify and I was listening I was listening to Tim McGraw and like the song Just to See You Smile came on mm-hmm. and I'm just like, it brought back so many memories I didn't know I had. And I was like, wow, yeah. I actually do like Tim McGraw. I yeah. never really listened to him. And so then Tara Swift came on. Oh no. 
<laughs> and so we all know what's the album 1989. Yeah. You know, hate those songs. Shake okay. it off. You know, yeah. like they're iconic, but hate them. But I went back to her earlier music mm-hmm. and I was like memory lane again, you know, especially <laughs> like me playing Minecraft. Yeah. Well, it's actually not an older song, but I, I would say long story short, I listened to Tim McGraw, listened to Taylor Swift and p- things that she liked, but it really hit with Taylor Swift and songwriting. I liked, I like all too well. Okay. Yeah. I would say that's my guilty pleasure song. I'm not, see, here's the thing. It's guilty pleasure. I was about to say, I, don't, I won't turn it up all the way. Why yeah. am I saying that? Because it's a guilty pleasure song. Yeah. But I'll listen to All Too Well, and I really like that song because of the songwriting <laughs> yeah. in it. She has lyrics like dancing in the refrigerator light. Yeah. Like, that's like... Like, very specific. Very specific. Ran the red, you were looking at me. Mm-hmm. Great lyrics. Yep. M- reminds you of innocence. Sweater you kept. Yeah. You know? So, it's just... I'm like, wow, this is great songwriting. And yeah. the melody is great. You know, so I like that song. <laughs> if fun. I had the windows down, <laughs> you know, going yeah. through like Destin Commons or like any outlet store, yeah. I'm rolling the windows up. Yeah. You know, I'm not letting people know that well, I like, like to listen to that song. So I guess from like the other avenue, what's kind of your like guilty pleasure but i have no shame in it song like i'm gonna rock out to this song like with everybody because like i feel like there's like two different types of guilty pleasure songs there's that one where you're kind of like i do not want to tell anybody i like this song but i really like it and then there's the song where you're like i don't care who sees it but i'm gonna jam out to this i would say one that comes to my to mine quickly is driving my life life away by eddie rabbit so i'm gonna say Okay, I'm going to go Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go Justin Timberlake. Dad played him all the time, Yeah, too. I'm going to go Justin Timberlake. I'm going to say... I, It's like sexy back. <laughs> I would say... Or oh, um, what one? goes around comes around. Yeah. That is one that That's I'm not going to feel bad for playing. Yeah. Yup. That's a really good one. Yup. <laughs> That's a good one. Um... It kind of reminds me of, like, Morgan Wallen's, like, got. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> the end of that song. I was like, yup, yup, <laughs> yup. Um, I, I, I would say that because it's the lyrics in it are great. The rhythm in it's great. Yeah. Summer love. Da, 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah. Da, da, Dang. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. That yeah. whole album. Yeah. That whole See, album. that would have been. And Timbaland was yeah. a producer on that one. And it was I just, early 2000s yeah, music. I think Timberlake just released a song as well. Oh, wow. On my birthday. I think he did. Okay, I I'll have to, to it. Yeah, your birthday was on New Music Friday, so that makes sense. Wait, is it really? It was on a Friday this year, so yeah. you would have gotten New Music Friday on your birthday. Heck you yeah. should just go look and see what dropped on that day. Yeah, but I would say definitely Justin Timberlake. Okay. Like somebody can laugh at me and be like, you know. And it just wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter because yeah. I know how... How great his music is. See, I don't know what mine would be. Um, Mia, you have one. You, <laughs> you're very I don't care like. Yeah, I. Well, I, I think that's the thing. Is like I don't think I have a song where I'm like, I don't know. Well, like just the other night in the middle of Nashville, this girl she she requests. Obviously, I'm at a bar, and um, you can request music, and 
this girl requests Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And she requested Love Story. And the entire bar did not care that it was like OG Taylor Swift. Yeah. There were men just belting the song. like, And that was one of those moments that it was definitely kind of like everybody's guilty yeah. pleasure song, but no one cared. Yeah. And that's that's interesting because Taylor Swift, whenever I was younger, mm-hmm. you want to be caught dead singing Taylor Swift. See, or but even... I'm a girl, so like my group it was it was totally acceptable right so yeah you know this brings me back remember the maddie b era and the oh yeah um, sweatshirt what oh, was his I don't name remember. you can wear my sweatshirt like i don't remember you know who i'm talking about i do know who you're talking about yeah but like the maddie b era yeah if you want to talk about guilty pleasure i that's bad I think me. like Justin Bieber probably would be one of mine, because yeah. like I never, I never. Well, you're a girl, like, so you can get away with it. Yeah, but I but definitely I, know. I never that... was like a believer. Like I knew I can tell some stories about some girls that I know that were like too into Justin Bieber. Yeah. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> she used to say that this girl that I know, um, I do not talk to her anymore. Uh, this relationship ended shortly after conversations like this. She used to say that, like, she had a Justin Bieber poster in her room. Mm-hmm. She used to say that, like, there's cameras in his eyes so that he could see her. What and it was so crazy. So, I mean, like, Jonas I never. And all of that. I was a Jonas Brother girl. Talking like, about guilty pleasure, I would, I would be surprised if you could get something out of a guy my age. And mm-hmm. ask him if he listened to One Direction or not. Because the truth is, you know, I like One Direction songs. <laughs> you wouldn't catch me dead saying yeah. that. But you listen to their songs, I'm like, wow, that's good. But well, I the Jonas Brothers were my that. first concert. I didn't listen to much Jonas Brothers. I watched Camp Rock last night. So What's Camp? Camp Rock has the, the Jonas Brothers. The TV? Yeah, Disney. Disney. Mm. I, I was awesome a big Camp Rock way. girl. But um, what about like... What's the craziest, like, interaction you think you've had to date, like, at a gig? <laughs> All right, so... Because you've definitely got some weird ones. Yeah, here's here's the craziest one. So, I was playing at my gig like normal. Everything was good. And so, people were enjoying me. They're all sitting around the bar. And this old lady comes up to me. She's with her husband. They look very sweet. But I'm playing... And she tipped me, and I was like, you know, awesome. Yeah. And so they sit back down, and they're, and she's watching me the whole entire time. And she comes up, and if you haven't seen me at one of my gigs, I play all older music. Um, thanks to my, you know, because of my background with you my dad and everything. You can probably tell based on, like, and also, how we're talking. Yeah. And um, Chris Alvarado, who's my mentor, um, he gave me a, a his set list that he was work he worked on for a long time i just had songs like cats in the cradle and stuff mm-hmm. that like you just didn't think about so i play a lot of old songs and so this old this i say old lady kind of sounds worse than it is but this lady that is older um comes up and she's like hey do you know any older music and i just got dumb like- i just got dumb playing like cats in the cradle and i was like uh, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, wh- what do you want to hear? She goes, you know, any Elvis? And I don't play any Elvis songs. 
And I was like, well, I don't do Elvis specifically, but I was like, I can do some music f- like older era. Yeah. So like, I don't know if I do any 50 songs, but I mean, the oldest I'm thinking is like Johnny Cash. Yeah. You know, so I think I played um, Cat Stevens for her. Okay. I mean, like Cat Stevens is like, I mean, I know it's from her era. I know she listened to it in high school and college. I know she did. And so I played Cat Stevens, and she comes back up to me. She's like, hey, can you play something older? Like, she says it again. And I'm like, she's she's an old lady, and I'm like not trying to be mean to her, but I'm like, I'm playing, like, what's older than this? Like, you you gotta give me some names. Yeah. And so she sits back down, and I play Jim Croce for her. Like, I mean, it might not be older year-wise, but, like, we're talking era here and what she would like. And so I played Jim Croce for her, and then after I'm done with Operator, um, they get up, and her husband's leaving, and she, I was in between songs just looking through my set list, and she comes up to me, and she goes, you know, my son is a doctor now, but he used to gig, and he gigged for a year. And I can say that you have an issue with reading the, the room because everyone in here is older and you need to play older music because that's what people want to listen to because everyone here is older and, the, and then they'll tip you. Oh, so wow. I'm looking at her and I'm like, I'm not going to be mean to her because she's an old lady. I would have been mean. But I'm just astonished. Uh, like I was really astonished yeah, that like, she even said that, that to me. That like, son gigged for a year. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I, and so I looked at her and I said, I said, Cass Stevens is pretty old. Yeah. I said, like that's what I told her. She also didn't give you anything to work with. Yeah, other than and Elvis. I said, I said, yeah, Cass Stevens and and Jim Croce. I was like, that's that's pretty old. Yeah. You know, I said that, that's older music, and she just kind of stumbled for a second when I told her that because she wasn't expecting me to like respond like that. Yeah. And so then she just walked away. That's my craziest encounter. At least it's mellow. Like, it could be worse. It's mellow, but when you're in the situation, you're yeah. like, is this real life right now? Yeah. So, I haven't had someone... I don't want to jinx it. We got wood here. I've had. I've never had someone knock over my mic stand. Okay, knock on that's wood. good. Because I hear people... Complain get, about yeah. that. So, that's probably my worst experience. Okay. It's not horrible. Well. Um, what about... Um, Tell me about, like, your favorite, like, place that you've played to date. Like, like w- the coolest thing that you've played at. Mm. And you, you touched to on it earlier. I, yeah, yeah, I have to say Moon Crush. Moon Crush is a festival down here where we live. And so the story goes is there's a girl named Reese Branton. And she's at Berkeley now. She released her own music. Y'all should go check her out. Reese Branton. And she has a bunch of her original music. And so she got in with the festival Moon Crush. And they want her to open. Mm-hmm. And so she, they had her on Friday. And Reese has a great voice, great lyrics. And she plays guitar to accompany her. And so she felt like that she lacked with the guitar playing part. And so she wanted someone to play guitar for. Yeah. Or whatever reason. I don't want to put words in her mouth. But whatever reason she wanted somebody to accompany her. Yeah. And so she talked to Chris. And 
Chris was like, hey, I'm playing a wedding that day, I think is what he told me. But he was busy. And so I was second option. And yeah. so Reese texted me, was like, hey, you know, do you want to play? And I was like, holy crap, of course. Like, it's a festival, and this is going to be my first time. Well, I get with her. We practice her original songs. Because at a festival, they don't want you to play covers. It defeats the purpose of a festival. Yeah. And so we practice all her original songs. And at the time that I was playing, this is a great story, I had no clue about all the artists that were there. Yeah. I didn't I didn't listen to any of their music. Mm-hmm. So when I say these names, you're going to want to kill me. Yeah. Zach, I, Zach Bryan. Yeah. I cannot believe that. I was in the green room. I have a picture with him. Yep. Ben Harper. Yep. Brandy Carlisle. Tedeschi Trucks. Mm-hmm. I had no clue who any of them were. I mean, like, I could tell Ben Harper, you know, like some people might not know who he is. Brandy Carlisle, you know, she's a Grammy winner. Yeah. Um, Tedeschi Trucks, that's Derek Trucks. You know, like mm-hmm. that stuff goes back to the Almond Brothers. I mean, yeah. best slide guitar player. D- D- Derek Trucks played with John Mayer and BB King right there on stage. Yeah. And so I play with Reese. We play our songs and. You know, we had a great time. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I remember going back into the green room and, you know, I saw Zach Bryan and all of them. And I, Zach Bryan came up to me and he was like, you know, good job up there. It's like said to me and, yeah. to me and Reese. I was like, thanks, man. And then, you know, <laughs> ate some food, whatever stuff they have in the well, green room. Well, I think, room. too, like at that time, like Zach Bryan was like... Just he, before his peak. Like, he had not no, blown up no, to the point he, he was blow, now. No, no, he did not blow up. He was, like, close, though. Yeah. It was, like, about like, to happen. Like, looking back on it now, like, I wish I would have Yeah. said something to him, which is something that, you know, I want to implement more in my life of, like, just... Networking. Networking. Like, why wouldn't I go up and say, hey, to Zach Bryan? Yeah. Even though, like, he's not popular and I don't know who he is, just yeah. go up and say hey to him. Because yeah. that's something that could have changed my life. Yeah. You know? And so it gets me excited because that's how i was that close to greatness yeah i was like i was literally six feet away from zach bryant like the biggest guy in country music probably yeah. right now next to morgan Wallen. and so i remember me and reese talked to his bassist mm-hmm. and we talked to him for a while and he was super nice but zach bryant gets up there with his band they start playing and so me and reese were done eating so we're like all right let's go back into the crowd so we're going back out there, and Zach's playing Godspeed. That mm-hmm. was his something in the orange, was yeah, Godspeed at, that, at time. that time. And so he's playing Godspeed, and I was like, oh, I think I know that song off TikTok. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that he wrote that song. Yep. I was just like, I know that song. And, you know, that's my story. I remember going back in the crowd, everybody was high-fiving me and Reese. Yeah. Because it was like, holy crap, the rock stars are sitting right next to us. You know, yeah. <laughs> they were just on stage. Yeah. So that was the coolest venue I've ever played at probably i think like what's next like from the sister who does your marketing perspective like for you like i, I know right now like you're working on finding your sound yeah that's what I'm trying making to work some on. originals like i think next step is to get you into these festivals so yeah. you can meet like yeah. the zach bryans and like the next wave and yeah. like hopefully catch that yeah. so like with that being said like where can people find you? How do they keep up with you? Where are you playing? Right. So I'm going to be having original music coming out somewhat soon. Um, right now, as a musician, I'm really working on 
getting my sound um, and really kind of letting myself go creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big deal if you talk to any musician or anybody that, that's into art is being able to let yourself go. Yeah. You know, and it's like I remember hearing a story about I think it was like Van Gogh or like one of those um, really famous painters. And the story goes that they were so or he was so frustrated mm-hmm. at the canvas yeah, because he couldn't paint what he wanted. You know, like he was just like very frustrated. Yeah. And that goes to say with like, you know, just let your just let your heart out, you know? But it's mm-hmm. like you don't even know where to start. Yeah. You know? It's like somebody riding a bike and it's like, Well, ride it like you mean it. And you're like, How do I how am I supposed to mean to ride the bike? I don't even know how to ride the bike. Yeah. You know, like I don't have enough time on the seat to be like, All right, now I'm gonna you know, I'm going to dig into this curve a little bit more. Yeah. You know, you have to get get those trial and errors to dig in. Yeah, harder. and I think you're, like, finally getting past it. So now that. I'm finally starting to get past it. But I'm going to be writing some original music. But where you can find me is on Instagram and Facebook mainly. Um, Mia mm-hmm. here does all my social media. and I take all his photos, a lot of his photos. Yeah. I do his promo and... Um, we're right we're gonna say it on the record that um once he gets famous i am in charge of all creative from here on out he is not allowed to have anybody else yeah if he gets big sisters coming with so yeah um but you can find him at uh, duncancrittendenmusic.com it's got a big portfolio section merch that you can buy support Mm -hmm. him um, and then eventually his, his music will be up there as well. Yeah. Um, and then all his social media links are there. Duncan Crittenden music on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and those will be updated really regularly after the podcast. And if you have any questions for Duncan, all you have to do is go to Mia's mixtape.com and fill out that contact form. Let us know what you think about Duncan. Let us know if you're going to come see him. Um, 30 A is a great spot to vacation. And a lot of people don't know that we're like kind of an underground Nashville music scene. Everybody in Nashville comes and vacations down here at 30 A. So we've got some seriously good music. So if you're around, um, he plays pretty constantly every single week. Um, and I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in and thank Duncan no, no for problem. being on the 10th episode yeah. Of the mix. This was really this was a really good episode, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I think it was great. Yeah. So this is Mia Esperanza signing off with Duncan Crendon. And that's a wrap on another episode of the mixtape. We hope you've enjoyed the ride and discovered some new tunes along the way. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials to stay updated on future episodes and join in on the conversation. Until next time, keep the music playing and never stop rocking.